This portion of the Cliff Notes Podcast is brought to you by Tolly and Associates, Bard's Roofing, Adams Bar and Grill, David Jin Showbrow, Robin Stacia Studer, Patrick Lyle, Little Caesars of St. Joseph, The High Ho Bar and Grill, Weaver Overhead Door, Scott Hudson from Reese Nichols Eyed Capital Realty, Chad and K. Lewis, Miljavik Electric, Aaron and Josh Perry, Janelle Glidewell of Light Star Financial, JC's Hardwood Floors, Ingalls Plumbing and Excavating LLC, Musser Construction, Hickson Klein Funeral Home LLC, KT Logistics LLC, Cutting Edge Commercial Cleaning, Preferred Lighting Protection, and St. Joseph Basketball Academy and Heath Dudley. Thank you guys so much for your support and contribution to the podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to the Cliff Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Clifton Groups. It is a very special Sunday night edition of the Post-it Notes. A little quick disclaimer real quick. We are actually going to postpone our originally planned Sunday night 1,000-point score celebration episode. We are actually going to postpone that to next Sunday because I will be seeing a lot more athletes who hit the 1,000-point mark Later on this week as we cover districts and cover sectionals and quarters and all that stuff. So we're actually going to postpone the episode to next Sunday. So that will be ahead for next Sunday. Tonight, I have a very special treat for every single one of you. We have a huge week this week as we got um, small class um, sectionals and quarterfinals this week. We also have Class 4 District 16 play at Benton, both boys and girls. And we also have the MIAA basketball tournaments at Municipal Auditorium starting on Wednesday going through Sunday. To help me preview all of that, I have brought three heavy hitters to the podcast as we have the Maryville Forum's John Dykstra, KQ2's Mitchell Riberal, and KFUQ and the St. Joseph Post's Tommy Rezach. To help me preview everything going on this week, without further ado, here's my very special edition of the Post-it Notes with those three individuals. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome everybody to the special edition of the Clip Notes podcast where we're going to preview everything going on this week. We have a huge week in high school and in college basketball this week. Joining me to help me preview all of this, the Maryville Forum's John Dykstra. KQ2's Mitch Riberal. Thank you, Clifton. Thank you. And KFEQ and Eagle Radio and the voice of the Griffins, Tommy Rezach. Okay, now. All right, we're all here. So um, we have a whole list of topics that we are going to run down. Here's we got a huge week ahead. So um, let's go ahead and let's run down. Um, just um, recapping real quick, small class districts. We want to give a congratulations to uh, – all these teams for winning their district. Um, we got the Bishop LeBlanc boys, the Plattsburgh boys, the Platte Valley boys and girls, boys and girls. We got, we got um, the LeBlanc girls. We got the East Buchanan girls. We got the Polo girls. If I'm missing anybody, let me see in the King city girls as well. So um, out of all those teams, you know, guys, just um, one by one, just, um, We'll start with John real quick. Um, just give me your thoughts overall on um, small class district championship week. Uh, there were a lot of good uh, good local teams uh, kind of doing what they've done all season. I'll speak to my coverage area and the two Platte Valley teams. I think they were both heavy, heavy favorites going in with two-time defending state champion Platte Valley girls and then the number one ranked team in the state in class one and the Platte Valley boys. And the Platte Valley boys had had a couple of tough games with with Rockport and uh, 
Mount City both uh, keeping those tighter than maybe they were projected yeah. to be. But uh, Platte Valley was able to to keep it rolling and, and get through with the district championship. First time in a couple years uh, as that uh, district has been dominated by Tony Osborne in the last couple of years in Mount City. So uh, so a good good tournament for them to get get a district title for the first time in a couple of years. And then uh, the Platte Valley girls, they, the Platte Valley girls, they keep dominating. Um, not really any close games there. They rolled past South Holt and then Mount City to uh, to win that district. And uh, we'll be looking to to move on again with a with a nice Northwest Missouri battle uh, with the King City girls who won their district too. So uh, that should be a fun Class One sectional. Mitchell, I know you went to a couple games um, this weekend. Um, you know, you went to the Plattsburgh boys who defeated West Platte on Friday night. But you also made a trip to Lathrop as well. So if you want to talk about uh, those games and anything else you want to talk about as far as small class district championship. Yeah, um, like Dexter said about Platte Valley. I mean, Platte Valley girls, we kind of expected that from them. But the games I was at was Plattsburgh and the East Buchanan Midbucks girls championship uh the Plattsburgh boys that came down to the wire against West Platte West Platte looked good um but Plattsburgh obviously has Isaiah Howard uh who can take over and he did he had I think 35 um but the Plattsburgh team it's not just Isaiah Howard that can shoot their entire team that that plays I feel like they all can go out for 10 15 every any single night any given night um so that I think makes them pretty dangerous in the playoffs. Um, and that was a very exciting game. I'm pretty sure the whole town of Plattsburgh was there. It was packed. Um, East Buck, the girls played mid Buchanan um, at Lathrop. That was a very low scoring game for the most part. Um, East Buck even trailed after the first quarter. And then the second half, things kind of went East Buck's favor. Gracie Kelsey started going off. Um, Kenzie Woodside hit two really big threes to retake the lead because mid Buchanan took the lead late in the fourth and then East Buck got it back. And then I think they finished like 19 for 25 for free throws, which when you're shooting 19 for 25 for free throws, it's, it's hard to drop a game. So uh, both games, very impressive. And both teams that won also very impressive. And Tommy, I'll go to you next. Uh, I mean, I seen you a couple times up uh, this week at Rosendale. That's where I was at all week and uh, got to see the, uh, LeBlanc boys uh, beat North Andrew for the district championship. Um, offer up your thoughts on that. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, was able to go to North Andrew a couple of times. Hang on. <clears throat> able to go to North Andrew a couple of times this week in between Missouri Western games. And uh, yeah, you know, we uh, saw North Andrew get a win in semifinals and then uh, Le uh, LeBlanc boys get a win as well. And um, yeah, those two seem to find found each other in that district in the title game now three years running. And, um, yeah, you know, a pretty special game, I think, for the LeBlanc boys, uh, fresh off a of Final Four appearance last year. And, um, yeah, you know, two years ago, when I was still fairly new here, you know, the LeBlanc boys went into North Andrew, lost to a Tanner McDaniel-led team in a district title to the Cardinals in Rosendale. So, for LeBlanc to go back in there, you know, and, and kind of get revenge for that. Um, I think it was good. And, you know, 
Uh, I think what Mitch Garris has done with that program in a fairly short amount of time uh, has been pretty impressive. Like, I think they're one win away from back-to-back 20-win seasons and and everything, obviously, back-to-back district titles. And uh, that was a program, like, you know, three or four years ago, they were sub-500, and now they're, you know, uh, con- contenders. So, um, obviously, for LeBlanc, it's it's tough because, you know, they, they're probably going to have their one of their toughest, if not the toughest, challenge of the season. Monday when they play undefeated Plattsburgh, but uh, that was a good game. You know, it's always fun when two locals get together. It was a, you know, rematch of the eight man football championship there on, on uh, Friday, many of the same character, right? Aiden Eckerd, Landon Gardner, Jay Carell, you know, uh, 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 Colin Patterson, Braxton Linville are playing in that game on in basketball. So uh, that was kind of fun and made for some good, you know, uh, taunting between the student sections. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was fun, and uh, yeah, just look forward to seeing what happens. Obviously, the LeBlanc, LeBlanc girls have been, you know, snake bitten the last couple of years. Once they get to uh, the state tournament, you know, losing in quarterfinals each of the last couple of years. So uh, a lot of people feel like it's their year. They've played really well, even with senior Emma Reigns going down, which is a tough loss for them. But uh, they seem to have responded well, and uh, yeah, I think East Buchanan girls are <clears throat> one to watch. You know, they've made, managed to stay healthy all year. And, I don't think there's a team in the area in small class that plays as good a defense as them. Um, you know, Crazy Kelsey senior year done an amazing, pretty amazing job there considering, you know, she had to sit out for most of a whole year and everything like that. So uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And then, you know, in the big class, Benton girls, Lafayette boys start district play this week. So that'll be fun as well. Absolutely. Not. I want to give a shout out definitely for, for a couple teams real quick. You know, the Plattsburgh girls, even though they lost in the district championship game on Saturday, what what about the run that they went on this week? You know, beating a fifth beating fifth seed of Gallatin last week. And then the upset, a lot of crazy upsets happened this week in class two, district 15 girls with the Plattsburgh girls defeating West Platt, who was the one seed in the bracket. Then Polo, before winning the district, took down number two, North Platt last week as well want to give my congratulations to them also want to give my congratulations to the mid-buck boys and bryce kemper um seven years in a row making it to the district championship game fell to a pretty good st Pius team who will now move on to sectional play on monday as well so let's go ahead let's preview sectional play now and i'm going to bring up um, we're going to try some screen sharing here real quick and uh, we're going to start with um we're going to start with class one real quick here we got the bracket pulled up here it's in the middle that's Here we fancy. got um, Platte Valley and Winston at the 745 game in at the Civic Arena. That takes place at the Civic Arena. Before that, they'll play the winner of winner of that game. will play uh, Pork and Green City. And, John, I'll, um, I'll defer this to you since this is um, a little bit of your coverage area. Just to give me your thoughts on Platte Valley and Winston coming up on Monday. Well, uh, Platte Valley comes into it, obviously, as the number one uh, one team in the state in Class 1. Um They've they've really kind of gotten over that. Northwest Missouri basketball was so good the last couple of years with the Swaybox at at Stanberry, Tony obviously over there at, at Mound City. Um, there's just been a lot of really good good t- players in the area, and they've this group of seniors has kind of waited their turn after going to the state championship game as freshmen uh, with another senior laden uh, Platte Valley team, but. Um, but they're they've kind of waited their turn, and now they're a really balanced uh, team. They've got uh, Matt Germain is is one of the better point guards in the area. Uh, Memphis Bliley is a great shooter. 
Um, you remember him. A lot of area people remember him from baseball, where he's a great pitcher, too. And then uh, Alex Matson's a kid that's really come into his own this year as a as an undersized post, but somebody who can play one through five for that team. And and sometimes they're having to bring the ball up. Sometimes they're he'll be working the high post and using his quickness to to beat people there. So they're a really balanced team. Um, Winston uh, this year has I know a few losses. Um, let me pull them up real quick. Actually, while we're talking, they're 19 and nine this year. Um, but for them to make it to this this spot is, I think, really good for them. And they've they've had a good season, make it through. Uh, I believe Pat or Pattonsburg, yeah, that's Pattonsburg's who they beat in their district final. But um, yeah, if this is the end of the road for them, they've had a really good season there. A team that's used to being in this spot too. And then, job. we're going to flip over here on the screen here. We're going to share um, – not that – Mitchell doesn't have boys' thoughts. Uh, Mitchell, you got any thoughts on Platte Valley? No, John kind of hit it on the nail, I'd say. I, I saved Carter Luke for you because he's eight. I think the impression is hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommy, you got any thoughts on Platte Valley or you want to move on to – we want to move on to the Platte Valley girls? We can move on, yeah. <laughs> All righty, let's move on now to the Platte Valley girls real quick. We're going to share this screen, kind of do this pre-sharing stuff. So uh, bear with us real quick here. Um, right back here, um, Platte Valley versus King City's right there in the middle there. That will take place on Tuesday night. That will also take place at the St. Joseph Civic Arena on Tuesday, on Tuesday night at 745 here. So the winner of King City and Platte Valley will take on the winner of Mercer in Santa Fe. John, offer up, offer up your thoughts on the Platte Valley girls. Well, this is a rematch from uh, the third game of the season for both these teams. Um, they played in the Albany tournament semifinals. Platte Valley won that game 55 to 44. So by Platte Valley standards, a relatively close game. I know Platte Valley has three losses this year, but those are an overtime game to tipped in a top tier class two team. Uh, one possession game, the Maryville class four team, obviously. And then a uh, a five-point game to Bishop LeBlanc, the number one team in class two. So it's not like they've uh, they've had some bad losses this year. They have three losses to three very good teams. Um, when you talk about Platte Valley girls, it, I mean, it starts with the two returning All-State players from last year, Maggie Collins, who um, is probably the best player in class one. And then uh, Briley Engel, who shifted from more of a wing spot to their point guard role this year because they needed her to. They needed they needed a, another ball handler up there. And and Briley's stepped back a little bit in the scoring department, um, especially during the regular season, these blowout games, but has taken on more of that floor general type type role. So uh Platte Valley, they've got the size, they've got they've got a lot. Um Tommy mentioned East Buck being the the best defensive team, small school team in the area. Platte Valley probably has an argument for that too with, with Sarah Langford and, and Maggie Collins and Aubrey Madsen and, and all the size that they can throw out there. Um, but they're a really good team. Um, King City's been an up and down team this year. They are 23 and five. Um, some surprising losses to Mound City, um, a team that Platte Valley just beat by 40. Um, uh, 
Nottaway Valley, who Platte Valley also uh, really hammered earlier this year. Um, so they've had some weird losses. They've actually lost to Mount City twice. Um, but still, they are a team that has also beat some really good teams like Mercer and, uh, and like I said, played fairly close with Platte Valley. So um, if King City shows up and plays like they are capable of, it could be a good game. Um, but they're going to have to bring their best to uh, compete with a Platte Valley team that really looks like they're rolling at this point. Yeah, John will have uh, John will have coverage of those uh, two matchups there, those two Platte Valley matchups in the Maryville Forum this week. Um, let's move on now to Class Two sectionals, and um, Tommy and Mitch, I'll um, defer to you on this one. We're on the boys bracket now. Um, Plattsburgh and Bishop LeBlanc, that's a, a big one um, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at Staley High School. Um, winner of that game will take on, I hope I'm saying this right, Way Blue and Wellington Napoleon. I hope I'm saying that right. So, um, Mitch, I'll start with you. Um, your thoughts on Platte Valley versus Bishop LeBlanc boys? You mean Plattsburgh? <laughs> yeah, Plattsburgh, yes. Um, yes no, that, that one should be a good matchup, obviously. Like Tommy talked about LeBlanc, Mitch Garris, what he's done with that program is, pretty incredible um Plattsburgh coach T he's done some amazing things with them I mean obviously they're undefeated and they're undefeated for a reason um but I I think both teams have a lot of scorers um LeBlanc you know you obviously have to watch out for Isaiah Howard Plattsburgh you gotta watch out for Jake Carell and a bunch of others so I I think it's going to be a good matchup um I'd like to see it be a close one which I think it could be, but um, it's it's gonna defense is gonna have to be a pretty big emphasis, I think, for this one. Mr. Rezach? <laughs> yeah, uh, good points there by Mitch. Um, you know, I, I think Plattsburgh in you know class two has been probably the best boys team in the area, if not the state, uh, throughout the year. Um, of course, you know Plattsburgh and LeBlanc they didn't play each other. But Plattsburgh played in that LeBlanc tournament and won it, uh, beat St. Michael the Archangel in a game that I think went to double or triple overtime uh, that night. Um, so, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, who would have thought that LeBlanc and Plattsburgh would meet in the state tournament in the first round. Um, so, yeah, you know, neutral site, I think that helps. I think both, you know, and Staley's a pretty easy drive, I think, for both fan bases. So uh, I think it'll be, you know, pretty good balanced crowd at Staley there. So uh, that'll be, I think it'll be a fun atmosphere. Um, you know, stranger things have happened, right? You know, like two years ago, you know, the Benton girls go into the Hound Pound and beat a uh, heavy favorite in Maryville in, in state quarters. So, or district title, I'm sorry, district title, but uh, you know, you never know. It's that time of year, you know, Plattsburgh is the, is kind of the favorite, but Hey, you know, St. Peter's beat Kentucky in NCAA in March Madness last year. So you never know. Um, I'd be surprised if Plattsburgh doesn't win, but uh, you know, listen, LeBlanc has uh, you know picked it up. Uh, they've uh, you know expectations were high coming off of their Final Four berth last year, and yeah, pretty good senior leadership on that team. Some uh, under underclassmen like a Cooper Waterman that have stepped up nicely. Um, you know, I think LeBlanc has a a, a fighter's chance, but uh, I think Plattsburgh's going to be hard for anyone uh, to beat as we get down the stretch. LeBron did get an interesting kind of preview of what a uh, kind of a, a JV version almost of Isaiah Howard with Kemper Klein and uh, and Albany and how they run their offense. Kemper's kind of a similar, really good athlete. They played them in the district semifinals and 
really struggled against Kemper until they decided to triple team him and and then they were able to pull away because Albany doesn't have much outside of Kemper. Um, Plattsburgh has a little bit more outside of Isaiah. So it'll be interesting to see if they have a, a different game plan or if they can handle that any better. All right, let's see. Let's uh, let's hope I click on the right spot here. Um, so we got uh, we're on class two girls now, class two sectionals. Uh, for the second straight year, we got a rematch. Uh, Bishop LeBlanc girls are back in the uh, class two sectionals. They will be taking on Polo. Um, if you're looking at the uh, screen there, it's in the middle of the bracket there. So at Staley High School on Tuesday night, Polo and Bishop LeBlanc there. So, um, Tommy, I'll start with you on this one. LeBlanc girls, um, I mean, you know, it's no secret, you know, the success that they've had this season. So, um, matching up with Polo, just give your thoughts on this. Yeah, Polo's kind of a fun little Cinderella story, like you talked about, coming out of that Class 2 District 15. I don't know if that was necessarily expected. Uh, Polo was like, what, the four seed in there? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, I, I think LeBlanc should win this one. Uh, you know, LeBlanc's played a really hard schedule, you know. Um, you know, they played the best team in Class 1, Meadville, who's in the state tournament on the Class 1 side. Uh, Meadville's outstanding, and LeBlanc almost won that game. And, uh, no, I think uh, Bishop LeBlanc performed about, you know, they were the heavy favorite. You know, if the Platte Valley girls were the, you know, if there was someone you were going to Sharpie. If you're going to Sharpie the Platte Valley girls in that bracket, I think you could almost have Sharpie the LeBlanc girls in that one. Um, and, you know, East, and that's nothing against East Atchison. I thought East Atchison had a great year and some length and really scrappy team. but. Uh, you know, LeBlanc's played MEC teams all season. Uh, it's kind of a hit above their weight throughout the year. I think uh, Coach Selton Pohl and Coach Mike Ziesel and that staff, they like to schedule hard and like to play really good competition. And uh, that proves handy for them uh, going down the stretch. I mean, you know, the teams they've lost to was, what, Meadville, St. Pius the 10th. I mean, quality. Benton, who's, I, I would say Benton's a, a favorite to get into the Final Four again on that side. So, um, you know, uh, I think just given that, given what they've seen uh, throughout the year, uh, that's going to, it's going to benefit them. So I would say there's a good chance you see LeBlanc play at the Missouri West, Missouri Western Fieldhouse in state quarters on Saturday, but that's probably the game that LeBlanc's fearing more than, than the one against Polo because it's been state quarters the last two years where LeBlanc has lost kind of in heartbreaking fashion. So uh, that'll be the big question. Can they, you know, get over that hump and, and get to Springfield? Not this year. Put in Sharpie. LeBlanc to the Final Four. Yeah. All right. So let's move on now I to, to just give a hot take. Mitchell's got take, so yeah, really went on a limb with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead. And let's move on now to Class Three. Now, um, East Buchanan. Um, we uh, East Buchanan won the district title on Saturday with the win over Mid Buchanan. Um, South Harrison won their district um in a low scoring game with Carrollton. On Saturday night, I believe that was 29 to 28 was the final in that one. So this sets up a rematch between East Buck and South Harrison that took place at the Hamilton tournament. East Buck um, won a nine point game there um, at Penny High School. So, um, Mitch, I'll uh, I'll start with you on this one. You seen the East Buchanan girls on Saturday? Just uh, give me your thoughts on the East Buchanan girls in this matchup with South Harrison. Yeah, uh, like you said, rematch. So familiar opponents. Um, East Buchanan, I mean, obviously we know what Gracie Kelsey can do, but it's not just her that I saw um, in the district title game. It, they had a lot of big shots by pretty much 
couple of a uh, couple of the players um, who played, and I, I I just liked East Buchanan the way they were able to rotate because Gracie had was double teamed, triple teamed, um, kind of how Kemper Klein was with LeBlond, and she was able to kick it out to her her teammates uh, for wide open looks, and that I think that's really what pushed them over the edge to get that win was everyone being able to hit the shots. And I think if that happens again and everyone comes out and hits the threes, hits the jumpers, whatever it may be, I, I, I think East Buchanan can do what they've done. I mean, the past couple of years in South Harrison, obviously, um, I don't know too much about them, but I know they've played against East Buchanan earlier this year. So rematch. So both teams familiar at playoffs, you know, <laughs> a lot can happen, but East Buchanan, I, I think if, they fixed probably like the first half from what I saw in the district title game where they didn't, they started off so slow. I think it was like 11 to eight after one. So if they don't have kind of a start like that, they should be in good hands. But I, I liked seeing um, everybody able to shoot the ball and, and score in that district title game. So. so Tommy, you got any thoughts on the East Buchanan girls, sir? Um, not especially that not, not nothing that's not already been said. Um, Truthfully, I haven't seen them as much as I'd like uh, this year. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, you know, East Buchanan went from a team that kind of, you know, got hot late in the year, kind of surprised and, you know, got to within state quarters, right? Um, uh, but this year I don't think it was a surprise with Gracie being back fully healthy, a nice senior leader there in Kinsey Woodside and um, some underclassmen really coming into form uh, with that with their team. Uh Coach Corey Elms, one of the best uh, in the area. I think most would agree with that. So, um, yeah, but uh, like the LeBlanc boys, you know, I think they, they get a tough draw. You know, I again, you know, don't get up to Bethany to see South Harrison, but uh, South Harrison, I think their record speaks for itself. So I think that's a really evenly matched game right out of the shoot there in sectionals. I've, I've seen South Harrison twice, too, I will add. Uh, unfortunately for them, I've seen them against Maryville and Platte Valley, and they – they lost both those games, but they have some size that could give give East Buck uh, a challenge at least. I just don't think they have a matchup for Gracie Kelsey, unfortunately, for them, and I think that'll probably be the difference in this one. So that's going to conclude our sectional preview. Now we're uh, we got this bracket now up. Now now we're getting into big class districts now, and uh, the number one seed in the boys bracket is the Lafayette Fighting Irish. Uh, Maryville comes in as the two seed, and then um. Monday night, we got matchups. We got um, three-seeded Benton taking on six-seeded Savannah. That will take place at Benton High School. And then Chillicothe, the four-seed, taking on fifth-seeded Cameron. Both of those first-round matchups will take place at the higher seeds. So, John, I'll, um, I'll start with you, sir. Um, Your thoughts on the boys bracket here in Class 4, District 16. Uh, well, if you go through the whole bracket, I uh, I think uh, the, the semifinals are pretty – pretty set um, with Lafayette and Chile and Benton and Maryville probably. And I, I would think uh, both those games will be Lafayette and Maryville's pretty substantial favorites and, uh, and Lafayette as a pretty substantial favorite to win the, uh, to win the title based on that game they had earlier this year. Um, Maryville's certainly capable. They have the shooters, they have a ton of shooters, um, but I think they struggle with the matchup with Lafayette's size. Camden Bennett's uh, uh, quite, quite something for them to deal with is they don't really have a matchup for him. 
Um, so I think Lafayette's a, a pretty substantial favorite in this one. But uh, Maryville and then even Benton, if, if Benton could get by Maryville, which they're capable of, they're 0-2 against them this year, but Benton's a good team. Um, so that those would be the matchups to look for. But uh, I would favor Lafayette in this, uh, this district. Mitchell, I'll go to you on your thoughts. Anything you want to add on Class 4 District 16-4? Yeah, um, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's tough because it's – Benton's already beat Savannah just recently. Benton fell to Maryville pretty handily, but only lost to Lafayette by six, it looks like. So, I, I mean, just I, – I think a lot could happen, but, like – like sure said, Lafayette, it has that size with Camden and Mikey. So um, I this one I'm interested in just to see how it plays out because I think it could – I think it has a chance to go a couple different ways. So I, I want to see how each team comes out in those games because I think um, – I know it's not how you start, it's how you finish, but kind of setting the tone at the start of the game I think could be a big factor in these matchups. Tommy? Yeah, um, you know, I, I like the Lafayette boys in this one. I'll tell you one thing, like, you know, Lafayette, they've been kind of, you know, in the state polls, they've been receiving votes, right, all year. They haven't really been ranked. They play a whale of a schedule. I mean, Coach Bristol schedules, like, you know, the, the tournaments they play in on the holidays and, and things like that. Like, they opened their season with some, like, teams – like from like Arkansas or something like that. Like they Lafayette, like they will go out, they will travel, they will play really good competition. So like when you get to this time of year, you look at Lafayette's record and you're like, Oh, you know, what's all the hype about? But no, like they, they play really good teams. Um, obviously Camden Bennett, Missouri Western signee having a great year. Um, Mikey Thomas kind of his partner in crime there. Um, and then, you know, the cast of other characters that have done well for them. Um, yeah, I think they're the favorite in that. I'll, I'll say this, like I, you know, I was like, is Lafayette a Final Four team? You know, they won districts last year in a classic game against Benton and then, you know, get cut down by Richmond in, in sectionals. Well, and Richmond's really, really good again. And, you know, that's going to be tough, a tough matchup if Richmond does get out of their district. But, I mean, Lafayette went on the road and handled Richmond. So, like, to me, that showed, yeah, Lafayette's ready to, I think, make a big run. Uh, I was there when Lafayette Maryville played in the regular season. You know, Maryville kind of jumped on them early. Lafayette comes back and kind of dominates down the stretch. So, um, yeah, I think Lafayette's the favorite. You know, ben Benton's a good team. I mean, I know their record's not where they want it to be, but, man, like, they've got good players, you know, like this Denver Domans last year. and um, You know, they're not quite the unit they were last year. Lost a couple of seniors from their team a season ago. But, I mean, Benton plays hard. Uh, so, I think Benton would have a fighter's chance against anyone they see in that district. So, yeah, I mean, if, if I had to pick, it's Lafayette. But, you know, uh, Maryville's really good. Benton's really good. So, uh, you know, have at it, boys. No, that's definitely going to be fun. I can't wait for I can't wait for that game. So, I can't wait for this district. Uh, I forgot to mention that the district does take place at Benton next week as well. That probably should be a pretty good note there. So, um, let's go ahead and let's move on to the girls' side now. And, um, girls' side, uh, the number one seed is the Benton Cardinals. They are the number uh, two team in Class 4. Followed by the Chillicothe Hornets. I think they're the number nine team class four right now. So Benton and Chile are the top two seats. So that sets up Maryville and Cameron in the 3-6 game. That will take place at Maryville. 
Um, Lafayette versus Savannah, the four five matchup that will take place at Lafayette. Those two matchups take place on Tuesday night, the semifinals Thursday night, and then the championship game on Saturday. John, um, I'll shift back to you on this one. Class four, District 16 girls. Yeah, yeah, it's one heck of a year for girls basketball in the MEC this year, and and it translates to this district, obviously, with them being all MEC teams, but you got a Maryville team that has two girls going to play Division II basketball, UCM and Northwest, and they're the three seed and not really looked to be much of a chance to get to the final because of how great uh, Chillicothe and Benton have been all year. That says something about this uh, this district. Um, I think I think uh, Maryville, Lafayette are pretty substantial favorites to win those opening games, and then I think Chile and Benton are huge favorites to meet in the final again. And I know conventional wisdom would say uh, Benton's a big favorite in the final, but I really like that Chillicothe team. I know it didn't work for them. Uh, early in the year when they when they face Benton but um uh Jolie Bonder has been has dealt with injuries this year and if if she's back and playing like she's capable of I think that could be a classic district final Tommy I'll go to you sir yeah um I mean I listen I feel like I think this is the best so I got here I arrived in St. Joe in late December of 2020 so Got to cover a good chunk of Benton's second half of that year. The first year they made the Final Four and kind of played spoiler, you know, and they've only gotten better since. Uh, you know, they lost Avery Morlock from last year, but pretty much everybody else is back. Um, you know, that that senior class um, is is really good. Oh, wait, Jada Cox was lost last year. Avery Morlock's still on the team. Forgive me. Sorry. Um, but, you know, Peyton Anderson, Kelsey Johnson, um, you know, to me – I think this is the best Benton's looked since I've gotten here, uh, since, you know, Chris Michaels kind of took the controls and has made them a really, really good team. You know, went from fourth place to state runner-up. I'm pretty high on Benton. Um, I've seen them quite a lot this year. I went to Chile earlier in February because I figured, I, I, A, it was a good matchup, and B, I was like, whoever wins this is going to be the one seed in the district. And, you know, lo and behold, plus MEC implications as well. So, uh yeah, um, yeah, I, I had heard that Chillicothe has dealt with injuries, so we'll see kind of how healthy they are. But, man, you know, it's in the south side. That place is going to be rocking in Benton's favor. Um, I, I don't think Benton's going to be denied. I think that senior class, they're on a mission to not only get back to Springfield, but uh, but to win it. Um, I don't know a ton about the re- – I know, like, the, the class four field outside of this area. Like, I, I think, like, like Vashon's still – pretty good and some of those others so like you know it's gonna be tough you know as the, the further you progress into it but uh and you know Chile is not a gimme you know that's a top 10 battle presuming that you know Chile and Benton get there so I'm with John I think that could be an excellent game but uh I I, I don't see I don't see Benton losing this week so uh, Mitchell Mitchell anything you want to add sir on class four district 16 girls uh, like they said, I mean, I haven't been in St. Joe for too many years, but this you is... and me are at about the same time, really. Yeah, I I think so. So I'm I'm with Tommy on all of that, but um, about just the teams that we see. But I think this one, this bracket is going to be good. Uh, like John said about Chile having injuries, but Benton obviously want to get back to Springfield and um, Maryville with two D two products. So it, I think this. 
this bracket is going to be a good one. And <laughs> I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but I, I'm excited about, about this bracket. With a little bit more, uh, just sorry, Clifton, but with a little bit more history and been here a little longer than those guys, I will put a time frame on. This is the best betting team since Deja Bernard was there, in my opinion. This is this is a great team, and obviously those teams with Deja did amazing things uh, with State and everything. So uh, this is the best team since since she was roaming the hallways on the south side, in my opinion. Yeah. That's another good team there. I was around. I was around covering all this um, when the 06-07 Bitten Girls team of Alicia Bell. Uh, they went thirty and zero and won a state title there. Definitely shout out to Bear Bell, and that was another great team led by Brett Goodwin there. So Bitten Girls. I mean, you know, I, I said last year on my podcast, I said there are three guarantees in life: death, taxes, and the Bitten Girls in the Class Four District Sixteen Championship. And that could very well happen again this year. So I'm definitely very excited to see how this bracket plays out. So let's move on now to some college basketball. Now we got the MIAA tournament bracket here laid up. Um, this is going to be in um, Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City. So this is going to be a fun matchup. Um, so we got the um, Northwest men who are the number one seed. They clinched their 10th straight regular season title with a victory over Central Oklahoma earlier this week. And then um, – Missouri Western men picked up a couple of huge victories this week, got themselves into the MIAA tournament with a big win over Pitt State on Saturday. So, um, John, I'll go to you first about Northwest. Um, you know, just an um, incredible year. You know, they lose Trevor Hudgens, and um, it just seems like, you know, no matter what, you know, Northwest is always right in the thick of the national national title race and in the MIAA race. Yeah, they're really good. Um, it's I mean, three-time defending national title list, it's it's hard to not make them the favorites going into any tournament they're in, and that will extend later this month to probably the regional and possibly the Elite Eight. Um, but the MIAA is tough this year. It's a reason. It's, it's a good league. Um, you look at UCO, there's a very good chance UCO might be the second-best team in the country. Um, we'll see. But they are they are loaded. They remind me of those Washburn teams from a couple of years ago with Tyler Guyman and Jalen Lewis. Um, that was so good, but always ran into Trevor Hudgens, Diego Bernard, and Northwest. And they would they would lose those matchups because Northwest was just a little bit better. Um, we'll see. UCOs had some success against them, so that'll be a tough one. Um, the bracket broke kind of difficult for them um, because Emporia is not the four seed they'd like to see. They'd rather have Emporia on the other side of the bracket, I bet, because Emporia is another one of those teams that's given them trouble over the years, um, more so than than some of the other teams in this bracket. So um, it's kind of as difficult a road as it can be for Northwest. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably the favorites in, in, uh, in this tournament. And uh but it'll be interesting to see how, how it plays out. Bracket didn't go great for UCO either. I'll add Missouri Southern's beaten them twice this year, and that's a possible quarterfinal matchup. So that would be the game of the day probably if that if that happens. So uh, that'll that'd be interesting to see too. Mitch, before I go, um, before I go to Tommy, Mitch, um, I'll give your I'll get your thoughts on this bracket, just your thoughts on this um, MIAA men's bracket. Yeah, like like John said, um pretty good MIAA play this this year obviously teams have beaten teams throughout the conference um Northwest probably the heavy favorite as I mean 
they probably should be. Uh, the one I'm interested in is if Western can beat Washburn. Western played Northwest very close down in St. Joe, but the biggest thing for Western is health. I think uh, Tommy can talk more about that, but I think it just depends how healthy, I guess, the, the roster is um, to see what type of lineup they get. But Northwest obviously just won regular season conference against Central Oklahoma. And I mean, it was close, but not close at the same time. It felt like it felt like it could just be because Bearcat Arena is that loud that it felt like Northwest had the uh, momentum the entire time. But um that so those two meeting again, Emporia State. So I, I think it could go either way, but I I could see Northwest being the heavy favorite again. No. Tommy, I'll go to you on this one. Um, you know, the, there were questions probably in January about whether or not the Missouri Western men would even make the MIAA tournament. But um in February, they played a lot better in February, as we just mentioned, um, clinching a spot in the MIAA tournament with a big with a big time win against Pitt State on senior day. So um Tommy, I'll get your thoughts on the Missouri Western men and anything else you want to talk about the field. Well, listen, as Mitch said, health is a problem. And when Will Eames was out, Missouri Western was one and eight without him in the lineup. So that was a huge difference. Um, he came back February 1st. You know, they, they beat Washburn. They beat Emporia. Uh, they beat Northeastern State. Uh, lost a couple of toughies to, to Rogers. Who, I think Rogers is going to be dangerous, by the way, uh, in this men's field. Um, and then, yeah, uh, came home on a week's rest. And uh, it, listen, <laughs> that Northwest game on a couple Saturdays ago, I guess it was just a week ago Saturday, but uh, that was like the most fun I've had on the Missouri Western side in a Northwest men's game football or men's basketball, right? I mean, every both football games I've covered have been double-digit losses. You know, football was actually pretty competitive this year. Western was up 3 nothing at the half, but second half, like, Griffin offense was shut down. wasn't very fun. Um, and then, you know, we went up to Bearcat Arena January 7th, hung in for a bit. Northwest then goes on a monster run to end the first half. And then Will Eames went down with his hand injury early in the second half against Northwest. Ga yes, game was likely decided by that point, but uh, that wasn't very fun. Um, but, but no, like, Saturday, like, that's what that rivalry is all about, man. Like, you know, that place was hopping. Um, you know, I give Bearcat Nation credit. It felt like their fans were at times louder than the home team, which I'm sure that's happened at other MIAA venues as well. Uh, just, you know, it's it's maybe easy for Bearcat Nation to get to St. Joe because, you know, there's Bearcat fans in St. Joe and the surrounding area. It's a, you know, it's a, it's what that game was what that regional rivalry should be all about. Um, you know, both fan bases, uh, uh, showing out, representing, and uh, juiced atmosphere, and it was a good game. I mean, Western had a fighter's chance right to the end. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's fun. And and the thing about that is that Saturday, and then this past Saturday, that's as healthy as Missouri Western's been all year. I mean, you got to go back to the beginning. Jaron Thames couldn't play. Jaron Thames largely did not play in the month of November, December. Played a little bit against Oklahoma Baptist. Played one minute at Pitt December 1st, re-injured his pinky, and then Thames' big comeback was January 7th against Northwest, dropped 17 points in the game. So now they're fully healthy. Williams started, played the whole game on Saturday uh, against uh, Pittsburgh State. Jerome Thames is playing as good as any wing in the MIAA right now. Uh, Tay Fields has had a pretty good sophomore campaign. Um, 
you know, maybe not like quite as productive as he was freshman year, but what, four double doubles now this year. He's really one of the best rebounders in the league. Uh, two scrappy guards and Reed Kemp and Reese Glover. Um, they're healthy. Um, and so I think, yeah, I, I like that, that matchup against Washburn. I think that's fun. Uh, like I said, we beat Washburn in a thriller uh, February 1st in St. Joe. And so I think that'll be a really fun game. We're the first game of the first day. How about that? March 1st. And, you know, it should be a really fun game there. So, um, and yeah, you know, there's probably some that look at it and go like, all right, well, if you get past that and you run into the buzzsaw Northwest, I frankly, yeah, I expect Northwest to, to get to the championship and, and, and win it again. Um, MIAA and national, quite frankly. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, Will Martin has said it the last couple of years, you know, we just want to seat at the table, a chip in a chair, as he says, and, uh, they've got it, you know, and, uh, it wasn't easy, but you know, when the pressure was on, they were able to respond. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a little worried about the pit game because, you know, Carney came to town Thursday and Carney's had their struggles and we kind of had to rally to beat Carney, but that pit game, we were fully healthy. We were as healthy in that game as we've been all year. And the Griffins cruised, you know, Pitts struggled. I'm not saying Pitts very good, but the Griffins dominated from start to finish. And that was the largest margin of victory in a conference game this year. So Western has some actual momentum. Um, you know, how far will they get? I don't know. You know, Washburn's not a gimme. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're in a quarterfinal against Northwest, which would be like Thursday at noon, neutral site, you know, I think both fan bases would come out. You know, a little Highway 71 rivalry in the postseason. That'd be a lot of fun. But uh, I, I, I'm going to disagree with John a little bit when he said, I don't know, Emporia and the road is tough. The league is down, in my opinion, uh, compared to last year. Because all year, for the most part, it's been UCO Northwest. Yeah, Emporia here or there. And then it really falls off. Uh, you know, I know Emporia beat Northwest. Northwest didn't have Diego Bernard that night. Emporia, I don't think you can really trust them. The Griffins swept Emporia. Emporia dropped a game to Pittsburgh State this past week. I mean, yeah, I think Emporia could be a tough out. You know, they've won 20 games. Uh, Elijah Comathier and Owen Long are great players. But this is Northwest uh, to lose, uh, in my view. Um, you know, Diego's playing great. How about Bennett Sturts? I mean, the the, the shoes he had to fill, uh, obviously no one's going to be Trevor Hudgens, but as productive as that kid has been, oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, no, I think Northwest is going to win it. And as we've seen in years past, they can get out of the central region. <laughs> you know, that's the toughest region in the nation, in my mind, men's or women's basketball. So uh, I think it's Northwest to lose once again. And, uh, you know, I think the record speaks for itself. And I just don't think the MIAA is quite as good as it was uh, last year. You know, UCO, we thought was a player. and UCO beat Northwest. Well, then UCO got their clock cleaned by Washburn. And then UCO goes to Bearcat Arena and the Bearcats take care of business. So I really don't see anything standing in Northwest way personally. I I will agree with that. I don't I don't I'm not saying Emporia. It's it's the MIAA is weird this year is where it's a lot of inconsistency. And yeah. you see that a lot with Washburn and Mo West in that first game. Both those teams are capable of beating certainly anybody other than Northwest and even on some nights Northwest, as you saw with uh Western really bring them to the to the limit the other night. And Emporia is the same thing. They're a high-variance team. I could easily see them losing to Lincoln. I could also see them hitting a whole bunch of threes, Owen Long go off for like 35 points, and then play with Northwest. Um, And same thing like I talked about in the bottom of of the bracket. It's Southern. It's 
has beaten UCL twice. Um, yeah. I think they do it again, but they, they're certainly capable. And I'm a big fan of that Hayes team. Um, I think maybe I've just seen good Hayes a couple times and maybe other people have seen other versions of Hayes, but I, I Hayes is my pick to, to face Northwest in the title game right now. Cause I, Ooh. I'm a fan of that team, but I know you just talked about Rogers being good and that's, and that's not wrong. Like, that's that's why I think it's interesting. Maybe the the tournament, other than UCO and Northwest, isn't as as star studded as it's been in years past. Yeah. But I think it's one of those where anybody can beat almost anybody. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good point. And yeah, like Missouri Southern, it's interesting. Fully healthy Missouri Western goes there in early December and, and dominated that game, and then also kind of climbed the the standings after that. So that ended up being a really good win for the Griffins. So. Yeah, I think the parity's definitely there. Um, I yeah, I think it's a little heavy at the top and then falls off. And yeah, I mean, I'll say it here. I think Hayes has the best defense, probably the best team defense in the MIAA, if not all of D two. They've been ranked very highly in that guy. Did I see the Hayes men beat Carney forty five to forty two? I don't envy the people that had to call that game, but uh, yeah, that's uh, Hayes. That that's I, I agree with you in the sense that that's what will give Hayes a shot is their play on defense so. so all right we got one more bracket to go over i know we went through a lot of brackets tonight uh, we got the miaa women's bracket this is very very star studded here we got nebraska carney is the number one seed they are also the number one team and the central region we got how about the ucm women at number two the western women at three we got pitt state who's right there in the region at four i mean missouri southern's in the region they're in the regional rankings there at five. I mean, this 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 women's bracket's pretty, pretty loaded. And um, I'm going to give Tommy and John a little bit of rest here for a little bit on this one. And I'm going to start with Mitchell on this one here. Um, Mitchell, your thoughts on the MIAA women's field? Man, I just woke up from a 20-minute nap from those two. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I was intrigued. Um. <laughs> This one is Clifton. You said is interesting, and I I agree. I I've watched probably more Northwest than Western, but Northwest is interesting because they have beat teams. But then it it kind of depends who's doing the scoring and how their offensive offense flows. Um, and so I I think they could. I mean they they'd run into Carney, but I could see a first round win right there. Uh, Western. Western for how good they are being the three seed is pretty crazy. So that speaks to what the MIAA is doing in the women's bracket, like how good the teams are. Um, I don't know. I, I would, I wanted to go last to see what they said, but, but I, I, I think there's like probably you could correct me if I'm wrong, John and Tommy, but maybe four or five, four teams that could win this bracket. Um, and obviously in, Six, John says six. I could okay, I'll go with six, but I could see four. But I'd say six, yeah, yeah. And that that's just interesting. That's crazy. That shows how deep MIAA is this year. And obviously, Western it dropped one what Sunday, so see how they bounce back. But I, I think this one could be, yeah, I guess I'll go with six. Any of the six teams could win it defer to John here in just a second, but you know, the crazy thing about this is that the Northwest women, I know we're, we're going to talk about the Missouri Western women quite a bit, but the Northwest women, I feel like, you know, 
they played very, very well right there with several teams this season. I mean, they were right there with Carney in the game. They almost beat UCM at Bearcat Arena. I mean, this team, I mean, this team could get hot. They could pull an upset or two in this tournament. So um, I'll have John kind of elaborate more about the Northwest women and just his thoughts on the field. John, go ahead. Well, what we said about the, the Hayes men where they're capable of winning uh, an ugly game, uh, that's Northwest women. They they can uh, they'll go to that back down game with Molly Hartnett and uh, and they can win it ugly. Um, they they won a pretty one uh, this past week Thursday against UCL where they scored ninety seven points. Which if you watch Northwest women play all season, that's that's a pretty crazy number. Um, but they. So they're maybe starting to figure it out a little bit offensively. They lost a, a tough one to Missouri Southern, who's a really good team, obviously, in one of those six. But I would say the top six seeds in this um, in this uh, bracket are kind of – I could see any of them winning it. Hayes hasn't had the season that they they are used to, but they've been here, done that before. They're a good team. Um they they're probably a step below those top five, but um, I could see any of those top six doing it. And uh, I think the top eight are also kind of a field by themselves. I think in Bahoya and Northwest should should win their first round matchups and uh, set up those other matchups. So um, I don't think there either one would be favored at all or given much of a chance in those quarterfinal matchups in Poirier and Northwest, but uh, I think they should get there. And uh, yeah, the rest of the bracket's just fascinating with, with those top teams battling it out. Pittsburgh State's a little bit been the surprise this year, I think. So uh, they're an interesting team to me, but I'll let, uh, I'll defer to Tommy more on the, the cream of the top crop and those top six in this, uh, this bracket. Tommy. All right, cool. I was just waiting for <laughs> waiting for your cue there. Um, yeah, uh, this is you know I've people have come up to me and said or asked you know are they going to go back to the Elite Eight and by they I mean Missouri Western Women's Basketball are they going to get back there are they going to play at Civic and I'm like well you know they certainly could I think they're capable I think this team is a touch better uh, than last year I think they replaced the two big missing pieces in Corbin Cunningham Jalen Haggard quite well on the floor um you know they have a lot of depth just like last year they got some great uh, transfers um it's a team that you know they scheduled really really hard out of the gate and you know I, I think in a way it's helped them but in a way it's also put them behind the eight ball a little bit the griffin women you know the their first two losses were to minnesota duluth and augustana and what duluth the two and augie's like the four in the central region so two really good losses there at the beginning of the year. Um, and then they, you know, kind of turned it up a little bit, you know, they won, uh, what was the streak? 11 straight. Yeah. Uh, you know, in from like December into, into January, we beat handed central Missouri, their first loss of the year. And UCM was ranked fifth, uh, split able to split the series with Carney, which, which was pretty good. It's unfortunate that when Missouri Western went to Carney, the Griffins were dealing with pretty serious illness, uh, food poisoning, which, Kept Mary Fultz, uh, one of the first people off the bench. She couldn't even play. Uh, Bree Budges, the top scorer, only played 10 minutes. She couldn't even play the second half. 
starting guard Johnny Gonzalez, very under the weather, starting forward Trinity Knapp, very under the weather. And to add insult to injury, Carney shot 65% from three and beat Western 91-55. So I think for folks that weren't in Carney that day or didn't listen to the game that day, look at that score and go, well, geez, you know, Carney's you know, head and shoulders. No, I mean, I think context matters there. Carney is the best team in the league. Uh, you know, Candy Whitaker said herself she voted him number one in her coach's poll. And uh, I, I thought Carney was going to, you know, I was I was in Carney on their senior day last year, and they honored like four or five seniors. So I'm thinking, oh, well, that class is going to go. And no, they all came back. I mean, or most of them came back. I think one senior left. Uh, they brought back like everybody else, four super seniors. Um, and that's a that's a good team. Perry Amy's an outstanding coach. Um, and uh, Carney's seems like they're a touch better than last year. And I think the MIAA is better than last year. Uh, Central Missouri, you know, Central UCM, you know, by their standards, it was a down year last year, 19 wins. They were the first team out, and it was Missouri Western who dealt them that blow in the first round. Or was that in – yeah, that was a quarterfinal game last year um, in Kansas City. So, um, yeah, and so UCM's back. I think Missouri Southern's flying under the radar because most of them started pretty good, you know, started the year pretty solid. Then they lost a few games. I think folks kind of forgot about them. They dropped out of the top 25. Well, they've reentered the poll. They won on like a nine-game winning streak. And, you know, Ronnie Russell, last year's coach of the year, Lacey Stokes, last year's player of the year, Maddie Stokes as the forward. Uh, don't sleep on Missouri Southern. I think there are some that may have, you know, forgotten about them or written them off. And Mosul is very much in this thing uh, coming in at sixth in the first central region. So they've got a, a puncher's chance. Um, and uh, Missouri Western does play four day state, uh, three versus six seed. Uh, on Friday night at 8.15, so I'll have to, you know, have the caffeine going to stay awake all day Friday and get ready for that one. But, uh, yeah, I, that's a that's a that's that matchup, as, again, from the Missouri-Western perspective, that worries me a little bit. Uh, you know, Hayes, you know, again, it's a down year for them, but it's still been a good season, right? 19 and 11. Seems like every loss they've had is quality. I think Hayes and Missouri-Western, in my view, had the hardest non-conference schedules. I mean, scheduling central region teams – ranked teams, good opponents right out of the shoot. And, uh, but like Missouri Western, I think Hayes took a couple of losses early and you would think strength of schedule, you know, should be the big thing, but no, I mean, if you have X number of losses to central region teams, that kind of puts you down a little bit. That's why Western seven and four day state is intense in the central region. So, um, you know, I think both teams are battle tested, uh, but that's a really important game uh, on Friday night. I mean, I think if Western wins it, that should be enough. Just like last year, they had to beat Central Missouri to absolutely punch their ticket. They delivered, and then some. If the Griffins beat Hayes in the quarterfinals, I think Western's in the NCAA tournament. Um, but if Hayes knocks off Western, then you're looking at Hayes is on the bubble, and Missouri Western might be on the outside looking in, which is crazy. Missouri Western's 24-6, and six, you know? And uh, they did lose to Pitt on Saturday, and Pitt's really good. Uh, Pitt is the real deal. Uh, Tristan Gag is... You know, Tristan Gegg and Bree Budgets, in my mind, are the best shooting guards uh, in the MIAA. They're monsters from the three-point line, very good shooters. Um, Pittsburgh State, I think, like Moso, is kind of flying under the radar. Pitt State is the eighth seed right now in the central region. Pitt's probably going to jump Western in that regional ranking because Pitt beat Western. So, uh, what is it now? Pitt's 12-2 and two in the last 14? Yeah. And in Pittsburgh State, their only losses in conference was twice to Central Missouri twice to Nebraska Kearney, and once to Western. Those are pretty good losses. Those are four losses to top 10 teams and your other losses to a team that's won 24 games. So um, I think, you know, 
<laughs> it's a crapshoot, you know, that any of those six, you know, they have a real chance. It makes it fun. But if you're one of those six, maybe not as fun because it's like, who the heck knows what's going to happen here? All righty. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to thank you both. You know, we got a whole lot of good stuff going on here in this tur- uh, this week. Definitely a lot of, lot of great coverage to be excited about this week on the high school and the college level. I want to thank all three of you guys for your time. Um, took a lot of time out of your schedule to join me here on this episode. Want to thank you all three so much. I'm going to give you all three an opportunity just to plug, um, plug your stuff and um, just talk about what you got going on this week. Mitchell, oh, okay. I was waiting for uh, Clifton to tell us which one. <laughs> I was playing Clifton. Um, you said plug our stuff. Yeah, plug your social media. I was. Yeah. I, I just. Yeah. Um, How do people watch you on TV, Mitch? Oh yeah, take you too. I'll be on it. I'll be on it tonight. Um, <laughs> Mitch underscore Riberall on Twitter. Um. Follow me. I post a lot of highlights. And this week, we have a lot of basketball. So does the other three. I'll be probably everywhere. Probably high school. Civic Center, I'll be there. A couple days. Benton, I'll probably be there. MIAA, I probably won't be at MIAA, but I'll be everywhere else. So not everywhere. Everywhere besides MIAA. John? Uh, Yeah, Sports MDF on Twitter. Uh, It's the Mobile form. Um, if you're if you're into picking up and reading newspapers, please do that. If not, you can go online and and see it. Um, that's that's good stuff too. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you you find it. Form Sports. Um, yeah, a lot of Platte Valley coverage this week uh, with that Class One district. A lot of Maryville coverage in the uh, in uh, that district. Uh, Platte Valley sectional and quarterfinals, excuse me. And uh, and we'll get down to the MIAA tournament some too. So mainly those three teams, uh, follow along. It'll be fun. Tommy? All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so you'll hear Missouri Western's coverage, men and women. Um, I said this on the air Saturday. It's, it's kind of fun when both of your teams get in. You know, not everyone in the MIAA is lucky to get both their men and women to Kansas City. Uh, so that's that's really cool. Uh, looking forward to it. Got the privilege to cover both last year. So, uh, you know, Griffin men play Wednesday at noon. Griffin women play Friday night, 8.15. Uh, you know, 6.80 a.m., 95.3 f.m. Uh, KFEQ celebrating our 100th birthday this year. So that's pretty cool. Um, 680kfeq.com, the KFEQ mobile app. Uh, there's a link if you go to gogriffins.com and go to their schedule. There's a link to listen live. Um, I know these games are streamed, but with a subscription. And you have that subscription and you want to see the Griffins, I suggest turn down the amateur broadcast, turn up the Griffin Sports Network. We, we know this team uh, better than, than anybody. Uh, so we'll have, you know, for as long as the Griffins are, are dancing in Kansas City, we'll have uh, uh, every play of, of the men's and women's games. So it uh, should be fun there. And then uh, as far as high school, we're kind of working out if or any high school games are going to be on the radio. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but a great resource. We post articles, uh, pictures, interviews, stjosephpost.com. That's our uh, website. It's a great local news and sports source. Um, uh, so you go to our sports page, you'll find a good amount of uh, Griffins and high school coverage there. Um, obviously, I think our focus this week is, is Griffins. 
uh, La Blonde, and then uh, the Benton Girls and Lafayette Boys. So, uh, yeah, um, it's going to be fun. Uh, busy week. Uh, but, uh, man, you know, it's, it's March on Wednesday. I got, the, I got the March Madness theme, you know, playing in my head because, uh, you know, we're, we're finally there, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Um, thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining me. Um, thank you guys for taking so much of, my, of your time to join me. Appreciate that so much. I love working with all three of you and um, looking forward to seeing all three of you this week. Yes, sir. Thank you,